Hello and welcome to the 25th episode of the third season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'K. And as always, I'm joined by Scott Butler. Oh, hello, Banjo. What a cracking weekend of football it was. Was that one of the better weekends of footy you've ever seen? Objectively, it was a pretty poor week of finals. Well, we saw probably the greatest final of all time on Friday night. And then there was a pretty good one on Saturday night. The other two were pretty boring. Oh, it was an absolute cracker, Banjo. Three of them were absolute stinkers. Can I ask you why you're not wearing your pod uniform? Uh, because it's radio and no one gives a shit? No, but or it gets us in the spirit if we're all wearing Melbourne gear. It gets us all excited because, you know, I we're a pod and we're supporting of, the D's together. I think of something that would get me less in the spirit to talk about football than wearing Melbourne gear. You realise you're like the only one of our friends who isn't happy about Melbourne. Yeah. Can, can, is, just get on the right side of history, Banjo. I am willing to die on. Didn't it upset you, the Western Bulldogs Premiership, that everyone was happy about it apart from you? Surely this is one time where you can get ahead of no, the curve and be happy what, what when something good happens. What upset me about the Bulldogs Premiership was that the Bulldogs won. That was the bit that upset me. What other people thought didn't didn't matter at all. But I just try no to more, be happy for I once was, in your life. I was no more miserable when the Bulldogs won the Premiership as I was when Richmond won the Premiership last year, when you were miserable with me. Yeah, but that's Richmond. Take joy in other people's joy for once in your life, Badger. I will, I will take joy in plenty of people's joy, just not yours. Wasn't that stadium just radiating with joy on Friday night? Yeah, but I've been to Richmond finals and that's the exact no, same no, thing. No, no, that, that's different. That, that radiates with arrogance and... It's just sickening. But when, when it's Melbourne, it's, it's happy. It's good. Yes, because all the rich Melbourne supporters aren't arrogant at all. No, no, we're not, not about our footy team, mate. We've been too miserable yeah, it's for just too just long. Ski lodges you all own. It was actually nuts, the crowd that was there. I mean, I don't know why I'm talking about this now, but like, it was, I've never seen yeah, any sort of Melbourne. I'm not going to indulge you too much. It was, gonna, it was nuts. I'm going to get my revenge. Where did they come from? Yeah, exactly. They weren't there when you had 13,000 people to go watch you play Frio 10 years ago. Yeah, it's true, but I was there, man. Biggest bandwagon. I've earned this happiness. You surpassed Richmond as a bandwagon team already. One <laughs> final right. Not even a real football say. Right anyway, let's time. move on to the football. Uh, not surprisingly, for how crap the week football was, we still have a green gold jacket, yeah, green jacket nomination. Not not crap, but yes, we still have gold jacket, green jacket. It's it's an absolute staple of the pod. We can't get rid of it, even for finals. Nope. No games are completely irrelevant. The major some, theme of this pod is having segments where there's probably not room for segments anymore. So let's get into it. Some are still more irrelevant than others. So we're only going to give the one. So gold jacket, green jacket for this week. Oh, I haven't even explained the segment. The title derives oh, from the line so and Happy Gilmore. Like improving ourselves <laughs> as people. The title derives from the line and Happy Gilmore. Gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? And we give three. Well, we normally give three, two, one votes for those meaningless games of the round, but it's just one game this round. So Richmond defeated Hawthorne by 31 points. So to those teams, we say. Gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, Very this predictable. Was so predictable. Yeah. Uh, would, I was one point off the margin. You were five points yeah, off the margin. Yeah, yeah. And when you looked at how we thought the game would pan out, it was exactly like the the pattern was identical to what we predicted and what happened in every single one of Richmond Richmond's finals last yeah, year. Yeah, and surprisingly, Hawthorne, who didn't really feel like they're in the game at all, uh, were probably the closest final they've had in the last year and a bit. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But uh, have you ever seen a team be able to turn a game from a tough contest into being completely over as quickly as Richmond do it, and they do it consistently. I was thinking about this. Um, there were sides, because I've been thinking about it from the top-end gear that Richmond have that nobody in the comp can currently go with. I reckon Collingwood 2010 had a gear like that. Mm. But 
I'm not sure they were so burst in the way they beat sides. Geelong have like those the great years they had always had an unbelievable yep. high gear, but it was more on skill and line breaking and moving the ball and Richmond's just rabid intensity. So Collingwood's probably the closest analogy I can think of with this Richmond side. I think the difference with the Richmond side is we go into games and we get to about halfway through the second quarter and like they're good games of footy and they're close mm. and they're a real contest and then just you just blink and it's over. Like the, all those teams that you talk about, like they're good teams. And they obviously have that gear to go to, but mm. sometimes they do it earlier in the game. Sometimes they just destroy teams. Richmond quite often the opposition are in it to half time, yeah. and then they just go bang. If and not, it's either the third or the last yeah. quarter, if not three quarter time, exactly. And they're they're bloody imposing. Dusty was just incredible. Yeah. We've got a whole segment devoted to him later. So yeah, he was. We won't talk too he, much he's. About we've been saying all year. We're just. It's felt like his season's just been bubbling along to this point at which we just. He's going to explode in finals, and that was a real yeah, sign. It feels like that was just, that was dusty of last year in yeah, finals. He feels like he's just been waiting to uh, get a chance to win a second Norm medal. He's given up on the Brownlow. He's got one. Doesn't need another. But he's like, yeah, another Norm Smith would be nice. Nah, he won't win it. You know this, Banjo, and uh, oh, yeah, we, we may as well lead on to this discussion. I've decided there's one rich player I like and it's it's a horrible confession to make and I just can't resist it though I, I absolutely love watching Dan Rioli play every yeah. time the ball is in his hands you're like something incredible is going to happen he's so exciting and he's kind of humble about the excitement as well yeah like those are all fair points but I do have to say this week you've gone down in my estimation quite a lot as a human being this being one reason <laughs> and the behaviour after the Melbourne victory is another what are you yeah, insufferable insufferable <laughs> no but I have, a, I have a $20 bonus bet on him to win the Norm Smith I, I quite like that bet yeah, $660 payout <laughs> and it's going to happen I, but he's lifting like his prelim last year yeah it was, was it was absolutely brilliant and then this fight I thought he was their second second best player behind Dusty yeah. I, I just I but thought he just call, impacted the game. Let's call this out for what it is. This is a coping mechanism. You are resigned to the fact that there, Richmond there's an element in the flag, and you want at least one bit of joy. There's an element of that. It's the the, the sarcastic fun you take out of being just like, oh, I've, I've got one boy. So on <laughs> grand final day, I can still get excited about something Richmond related. There's an element to that, but I do really like him. Do you disagree with me? Do you like him? No, I do like him. You mm. phrased that very weirdly. Do you disagree with me? Do you like yeah. him? No, but you no, don't I like do him. Like him. Okay. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's unbelievably excited to watch. He's so clean. He's kicked some unbelievable goals already. And, like, there's a small chance he'll go down as the best reality, which is an unbelievably high Yeah, goal. I mean, it's it's ridiculously early call, but I don't think it's inconceivable. Yeah. I, I think he, he's got the serials about him in All that he can have do, 15 touches and be yeah. so damaging. If he holds, if his body holds up better than Cyril's, there's every chance he'll get there. Because mm. Cyril, while he ended up having played a lot of games by the time he retired, still they seemed to miss a lot of football and never be able to quite put it together to have a full run of the season. Never got to really put it together through the midfield, which I can see happening for Daniel if it all goes right. So there's heaps of scope there for a guy as talented as him to outpace Cyril in the end. Will he get to four premierships? Hopefully not. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's, he's got to have the team success to be hard. in that equation. It is hard to see that when North get Polak, Kelly and Gaff uh, pretty soon. Shut up. <laughs> Gee, you didn't wait too long to drop him into the conversation, no, did you? No, I didn't. I did not at all. Uh, but do you have anything else to say? Hawthorne, done and dusted? 
Oh, well, we know they're going down straight sets. I told you that a, a long time ago. Uh, something I, We do need to give ourselves a little bit of a pat on the back. We didn't actually mention this on the pod, but we had a lengthy discussion before the game about how we know that Clarko isn't the sort of person who's going to oh, be yes. pulling a rabbit out of a hat. He's never been that sort of coach. I think our exact words were, he's a system-based <laughs> coach. He just backs in his system. We've never seen him try to do something crazy tactically at the end of a season. He's never been that sort of coach. And that is like word for word what he said in his press conference. So we need to give ourselves a bit of a pat on the back about that. Yes, and this is an entirely uh, provable discussion we had. So everyone should just take us at that word. No it's need to true. look for evidence. <laughs> it, was, um, it wasn't really that much of a, a Hawthorne performance though either. Like there was no, no real... It was really boring, just stoic football, I thought, from them. Yeah, I, I thought the interesting thing going into the game was... The thing which teams have been trying to do is getting through the zone, like trying to pick their way through the Richmond zone. Where Hawthorne are the sort of team who try to go around a zone, like they just hold possession, just yeah. sort of try to get it, get it around. But there wasn't even any of that. I it was, was just a contested ball to game. Be honest, I think they could have been a factor. Away from them, and everything they brought to the game that did seem to be like really intentional, Richmond only focus was just defensive. They seemed to be trying to knock the ball on. That was probably a little bit the wet weather too. And they just refused to try and intercept Mark. Just, I, I think, fearful that the ball would get out of the back and Richmond would just swim mm. onto it. You saw yeah, guys like, and you've said that Segler could go up for a double fist just because his nose is not very good. Yeah. Got very good hands. Yeah. But Sicily was doing it for all he was doing. So many uh, Hawthorne defenders were just going two-fisted spoils when they could have had the chance to mark. Yeah, I know, I know your logic behind that call. I, I still don't. I don't like it if that's what they did because I think I think you have to mark the ball against Richmond. Once it comes to ground, they beat you. They beat every team. Yeah. They're the best team at when the ball comes to ground. You have to take intercept marks. Yeah, I personally think a lot of that's because of their focus on a pretty clever thing of making sure the like flow of the ball is going in their direction. One thing you see Richmond do is they're always trying to keep the ball in front. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. They're incredibly good at that. And I think... The way the ball moves has so much of an impact on like how you feel the ball is bouncing your way or not. And I think they do that very well. And I think Hawthorne's t- tactic was to change that up and get the ball moving back their way rather than being uh, about letting the ball get to ground. Mm. I, yeah, I still think you got to try to mark it. I, yeah. I think that's the only way to beat Richmond. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't try anything new. Hawthorne. They didn't try to do anything bold. They just it played no, finals it, footy. It wasn't even like they didn't try to do anything new. They sort of went into their shell more than they normally do. They, yeah. they withdrew yeah. from a lot of what yeah. they do try and do. It was a very conservative performance, really. Yeah, maybe Clark, I think, they're shooting for the grand final. Just wanted to hold his cards to his chest. Just very quickly before we move on, what percentage chance do you give any team of beating Richmond, do you think, um, this season? I'd say Richmond had pretty much like an 80% chance yeah. of going out. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, and I hate the world we live in. At least we, at least this year we know they're good, so at yeah. least we can appreciate it. I'm just looking forward to when, I, when North Melbourne wins trade week. Shut that up. But yeah, speaking of things that uh, don't matter and probably shouldn't be in this podcast, when we Billy Gower's watch. Oh, that's bloody brutal. <laughs> It's time for Billy Gower's watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. Billy, 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 Billy Gower's. <laughs> Mate, that's that's very harsh. Irrelevant and shouldn't be on the pot. Everyone's two favourite segments. 
I just meant that he hasn't played a game of football, so yeah. it's a pretty contrived Look, effort for us to get him. We're forcing it pretty hard, but he did come up with a very odd tweet. It was actually a couple of weeks ago now, but it was a very <laughs> odd tweet. And I've read it about 20 times. I'm still trying to figure out what he's talking about. So, uh, at Bill Gowers, the <laughs> Twitter account, he says, Say, for instance, you walk into a toilet and the toilet paper has run out. Do you replace it or deal with the potential embarrassment of the next person thinking you're rude, even though you never used it? Can I you interpret that know. for me? I, I feel like he has to be talking about a bathroom that's not his. Because yeah, there's a duty toilet. of care with yeah, your yeah. own bathroom. If it's your own bathroom, you may as well put it in because you know you're eventually going to have to shit sometime soon and you're going to be using that toilet paper. But if it's somebody else's... I, I don't get why he's harping on the embarrassment of it. I think you change it just out of human decency. I don't. It's not a toss-up between doing it and being embarrassed. Like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, he's he's a great man, but I, I think he might be a bit better on the field than he is off the field. It's it's a very oh, odd tweet. God, talk about slander! As you say, what I said was harsh. Look at that. It's 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 strange. I I, I don't understand what he's rattling on about, old Bill Gowers, but. Oh, it's all right. He'll make up for it with his performances on the field next season, I'm sure, with his great two-year and contract the extension. After that, Scotty. Well, yeah, for you know, thirty years Unless or so. Unless he gets delisted with a year left to run, which we don't think the Golden God will. And then when he'll become head coach, as you've predicted, and when like, how many premierships will he be involved in? You reckon throughout his career? I think seventeen's a conservative estimate. Yeah, okay. I was going to say fifteen to twenty. So yeah, seventeen yeah, sounds about right. right. On. Yeah. Well, that makes it not a conservative estimate. <laughs> that makes it a very like. Mid-ranges, <laughs> judging by <laughs> yeah. your... Yeah. But anyway, st- look, just stick to the footy, Billy. Uh, that was a bit of a struggle, that one. Yeah, toilet here was not exactly his go, and I think given how that segment went, probably not ours either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's get on to uh, a quick hit. Uh, we don't really have much to say about <laughs> oh, this game. Oh, mate. Melbourne to bed Geelong by 29 <laughs> points. Um, <laughs> this sucked. <laughs> oh, it didn't suck. Oh, in terms of as a spectacle... It was pretty bad. It wasn't. It wasn't a great game of footy. I, like you have to give a lot of credit to us because like our pressure was <laughs> no, our pressure was through the roof. It I, doesn't get much better. I, I than just that. think we deserve a pat on the back. And <laughs> I just think everything we did was right. And everything but, but that's what made right. it ugly. Like our pressure was incredible, was it not? Oh, like. Oh, like come. Do you think it was better than Richmond's the night before? It was at least equal to. No, it wasn't. And Richmond are an elite pressure team, like an incredible pressure team. No, we were, like, we were so on. It was... Yeah, I, I didn't think... I didn't think it was so much about your pressure. You smashed them out of the midfield, which you were a reasonable He's expected, to yeah. But outside of that, I think Geelong were just so impotent in a lot of... Like, Geelong were really forward. bad. They were shockingly bad. Like... <laughs> You name like their six best players, and they were all hopeless. Like you name that midfield, like Ablett, Selwood, Dangerfield, Kelly. Kelly was the best, and he was not. That he, good. he was mediocre. Duncan was awful. Yeah, just burnt the ball. Hawkins threatened at times up forward, but like it was too hard for him Hawkins to get in the was game. The best performed because he was the only one yeah. that. It wasn't made, his fault. Like he did well when he had the chance. He just never had the chance. Mm. Oh, yeah, they were just. They were terrible. You have to say, though, defensively, that that was Melbourne's best defensive performance of the year. There were times which Geelong just looked strangled. They didn't know where to go. And we we set up consistently well throughout the game, which yeah, is amazing 100%. for Melbourne. Yeah, uh, they moved to... It's very un-Melbourne, Max really. ...as the loose defender after the... That's been the good coaching. Yeah, that's just... 
I'm not going to go that far because I still think Goodwin should be sacked if he doesn't win next week. That's but... very good coaching <laughs> if he doesn't win next week. It's already a successful season. Uh, but no, it's been just... It was a been a great move, and it's really shored up your defense when it looked reasonably exposed after Lee burned down. And yeah, you just got to hand it to him. Mm. And uh, Lewis and Salem are getting a real sort of system going back there. Mm. With firstly the way they're setting up is a lot better, and then you know they're sort of just kicking it to each other these days. And one of them is always the one using it out of the back line. Both like Salem actually made a lot of mistakes, particularly early on. Lewis mm. was brilliant. Salem was still very good, and he is a very good player. Um, but I'm, I'm loving the way that's working. That's been a real difference to the way we've played out of the back line. Um, and can we talk about Sam Wiedemann? <laughs> no, we've got a segment for that. Well, a segment dedicated to Sam. We can talk about him twice, Banjo. I don't want to talk about him twice. Oh, good. I'm trying to end this part of the pod because, yeah, I'm miserable. Oh, you're doing it. Don't be a grump. I'm doing it, you. You're not. The- Every time North Melbourne have a win, oh, no, it's not too bad. <laughs> You're just not engaging at all, mate. <sighs> what, no, what are final thoughts? What do you got? Just happiness? What? Uh, yes. Like, the, the thing is with the, the final, like the next morning, the feeling you had the next day, that was like it didn't disappoint at all. Like it was just, <laughs> just pure. You wake up in the morning with just a smile on your face, just, just pure joy. The game itself isn't actually that enjoyable because you just... So nervous. nervous the whole game, but it's the feeling afterwards. It, if you get a run on in momentum in a final, that's about as enjoyable an experience as you can have. Yeah, which I mean, we only mind. did in the first quarter, which still didn't quite feel like you were still didn't scared. Like Killed the game. Yeah, and like I mean, the moment was the Jones goal. That was the moment. Yeah. Like we'd been just threatening to break them for two quarters. Like we'd just been on the edge of breaking them, and just no one could do it. And the fact that it was Jones who did it right at the start of the last quarter. That was the moment. That, that that was the real sort of got me going sort of moment. And then Hannon was like the, that was the nail in the coffin. That was like the rubber stamp. But the Jones moment for me was the moment out of the game. Yeah, and after all he's been through, I think it was a bit more than just the context of that. Moment. Yeah, exactly right. But, well, it, it was, the context made it better than just the It was fitting. Moment. It was fitting that it was him. Um, so that was, yeah, that was just beautiful, Banjo. And again, as I said, like the crowd was unbelievable. I've never experienced something like that as a Melbourne supporter. No, singing the song after the game with like seventy thousand still there singing the song. It was like, I've never, I've never experienced that. And then heading straight to the bar to get drunk. Yeah. Well, what else would I be doing after a Melbourne yeah. finals victory? Are you looking forward to our celebrations on Friday night as well? Uh, it's coming Friday night. I hope so. With uh, our friend Sam. <laughs> oh, brutal. Uh, brutal. Anyway, let's move on. Time for Kane Corns, uh, a segment that. Held its, space just, held its place in the pod justifiably, I think. Uh, it's oh, a time yeah. where we go through a big call in the media that we think is a little bit overwrought or a little bit silly, and then we make one ourselves just to really hammer home the point that we uh, don't take things too the, seriously. The cane cornsish call. Yeah, exactly. So this week, it's the AFL 360 edition. Yeah. Uh, we've had some absolute crackers from both Robbo and Waitley. We expected from Robbo, and I'm not sure if he's been on before, but... It's high in time he was, but Waitley for a little bit, little bit concerning that he's on. To be honest, yeah, uh, I never thought he'd be on this segment. No, it's, it's quite, it's quite shattering. I've to never be honest, been more ashamed of a person. In at least, he's, at least he's only half on it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Robbo, uh, both of them are to do with tipping. Uh, Robbo had the chance to name his uh, finals predictions, and he had. Uh, Melbourne as the runner-up in the final, but then later the week tipped Geelong to win the game, which 
I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem to quite work out for me mathematically. And then uh, Waitley had a pretty similar experience where he said, I don't know which way it's going to go, but no, it's not going to be close. And I just feel a bit of a blowout coming. And uh, lo and behold, he tipped Geelong by one. It's funny that he tipped Geelong by one, because one is the margin you pick where you're just like, it's, I don't know, and it's just going to be close. All I know <laughs> is it's going to be close. Let's just say one point. And he openly, completely contradicted that earlier in the week. And uh, Robbo is just expected. He's the king of the nuffies. Yeah, he's done that before. Yeah, he, yeah. He had Geelong predicted to finish fifth, and then later on in that article said they were top four. <laughs> it was great. What do you think happened with Robbo's Melbourne call? We, we were discussing this before. I, I have a feeling he was just asked, pick two grand finals. He went, okay, Richmond and uh, who do I think is the next best team? Oh, I'll just pick Melbourne without actually looking at the draw and thinking about it. And then he sat down to do his tips. He's like... Oh, I think Geelong are going to beat Melbourne. Uh, do you reckon that's what happened, or did he just change his mind? I think he, well, I think they're in different uh, outlets, and one he did at one point, and then forgot about it, and did the other, other later. Yeah, I think that's all it was. There's not a lot of thought goes into a lot of these uh, media people's minds, is there? No, particularly look, when I tip, I don't put a lot of thought into it either. So I don't really regret <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what's your? Oh no, it's time for my cane corn. Yeah, you're going first this um, time. You wanted to step up, you had I a happy I'm really passionate about this, but Trent Cotchin's a thug and it's time he's, called, time he's called out on it. I think he might be the second worst human in the AFL. Okay, so you're going to say Bernie's number one. Yeah, obviously. I, I know you. Uh, can you. We're not going to talk about Bernie again. Can you justify your Trent Cotchin as a thug call? He I don't punches, disagree with you, but I just ask He punches you. people all the time. He does quite regularly. Gets away with it. He knocked out Dylan Shield. Shouldn't be a premiership captain. Absolutely shouldn't be a premiership player. And That's throw, a joke. Did you see him snipe Sean Burgoyne? I did, and yeah. And he concussed him so badly, Sean Burgoyne missed from 10 metres out directly. <laughs> There's no other practice. explanation for Sean Burgoyne missing out. He Sean must have Burgoyne been concussed. Sean Burgoyne also kicked one out on the full later that game, so you know it had to be concussion. Has that happened at any other point in Sean Burgoyne's career? I don't career? think so. I, I reason he's got the nickname Silk. I don't think I've ever seen him make a mistake before. So, like, it has to have been a concussion. Uh, if he did get concussed, Cochin was cooked, like, with oh, that bump. It was, like, he was very it lucky. It was not good. Because <laughs> it, it was a drive-by. He bumped him straight in the head. Uh, I have a theory, and I've put this to you before. Oh, this, this, is no, this is weird. This is The reason I think Cochin gets away with it is because he looks like a cartoon character. He just looks so normal and proper and just normal that I think Bad. people can't see a villain in him Mate, I, that's I, what he is I have a better theory he gets away with it because he's Richmond's captain that is why he gets away Ooh. with it there's 100,000 members probably. and he gets away with it probably he, he also does look like a cartoon character and that bears repeating every time you get the chance look I'm not going to disagree with you on this I, I don't like the bloke he shouldn't be a Brownlow medalist he shouldn't be a premiership player he's, he's had the opposite career of Corey McKernan we should have won a North Shut Smith. up. Do you have to bring everything back to North Melbourne? That was a valid analogy, Scott. You're an idiot. Uh, is it uh, my, my call now? Yeah, I've got no more ill words to say about Trent Cotchin. Well, I'm going to heavily one-up you. I think Alex Rance is a thug. He is a dead-set thug. He punched... Justify this, please. He punched Jack Watts in the back of the head whilst he was defenceless, lying on the ground, face down. How have we forgotten this as a football community? Uh, you know that was I one of the worst acts you can see on a footy field. You know why I haven't forgotten this? Because you bring it up every time you see it. But everyone else has. Do you ever mention anyone apart from me and my brother mention that? That was horrible. Absolutely. That was shocking. It absolutely was. But why is this relevant this week? Why is this this week... Well, you mentioned Cochin was a thug and then I remembered that Rance is as well. 
Okay, fair enough. But I don't think that's the main flaw in his character, Scott. I think there's a much bigger one that does bear, bear a bit of scrutiny. And we're not the first people to say this. We won't be the last. Yeah, he's a whinger. <laughs> he's an enormous whinger. The, the thug thing is that was a really bad act. But uh, it's heavily out of character. <laughs> yeah, what isn't out of character is his whinging, which happens every five minutes during every game. Look, I actually quite like Alex Rance. I don't want to criticise him too much, but he, he does like complaining. He complains to the umpires, dives all the time. He's me, 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 me a little bit. There is a little bit of that to, uh, to old Rancy, but, you know, he's a bloody good footballer, and I, I don't mind the diving that much. It's not something <laughs> which upsets me as much as most people. No, you were very uh, pro-ducking the head, weren't you? Yeah, I, I love the duck. It's great. It's great tactics. It's a way, <laughs> way to get going. It, it, it's effective. Why wouldn't you do it? Yeah, you still hate Lindsay Thomas. No, but I don't... Racist. Anyway, yeah, I hate him on. more for the dog yeah, acting no than the ducking. Let's move on. And because he uh, played for North Melbourne. <laughs> uh, GWS defeated Sydney by 49 points. This was way too close given the uh, disparity between the two ga- teams in the game, I thought. Yeah, we considered this for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. But the other option. Yeah, the, the margin made it a little bit interesting for well for both teams, really, from some perspective. The other game was more predictable, I suppose. This was expected to be quite close and quite a good game of footy, and it was brutal it and boringly side. brutal. It was it was a really defensive game, and no stage did it look like Sydney would click. That, yeah. that was the thing which scared me the most about They did not come at any point or look like they could score at any point. Absolutely. They had two goals, six, halfway through the last quarter. It was awful. Buddy was absolutely blanketed. They had no avenue to go without him. I think I saw the five lowest possession getters for Sydney were all forwards. Like, that's just ridiculous. Mm. They were smashing uncontested ball. They were beaten comprehensively incontested ball. Marking, they just couldn't get their hands on it to hold possession, which mm. is normally a bit of a strength through their back line. They just, they didn't have anything going that, at that all. That thing with their forward, that's not their forward's fault. The, the way the ball was moved no. into the forward line. And obviously, Phil Davis was utterly brilliant on Buddy. And, and stop Buddy from... So Buddy doesn't get too much easy ball, really. It's, no. it's tough for Buddy, and they, they have to move it really well into him. And Davis was good enough for that tough ball he was able to stop. But, gee, they don't do him a lot of favours. Just in the way that they play for there him, they don't do him a lot of favours. highlight reel of Shanks, of, like, Kieran Jack, McVeigh, uh, Heaney, kicking the ball inside 50 to Buddy, I and mean, never getting above Don't expect that from McVeigh. No, no, <laughs> He's a brilliant But it's just, they had an absolute stinker. And, yes, it was wet, but... Didn't affect GWS anywhere near as much. And we've been saying it all year, haven't we, Banjo? Sydney are not that good. They are, they are not a very good team, and it was 100% shown up in this game. Yeah, they got absolutely flogged, and GWS did their best Melbourne impression by just not killing the game for a little while. Yeah, well, um, no, they, they were... So Sydney was so bad that it was killed eventually. I think it was a bit different. I think that they'd already killed the game and then it came to the point where they could make it a really brutal yeah, margin and weren't able to quite... But like, it, it could easily have been like 100 to 20. They had 24 more inside 50s. Yeah. That's... Embarrassing. Like they smashed him at the contest. That's that's the and, uh, GWS. We've se- I've said it all year. They're better at the contest than we give them credit for. They have some good contested ball players. Well, Ward Canelio, Ward was outstanding. Yeah, Shield is pretty good there. Kelly yeah. for an inside outside midfield is excellent. They have heaps of talent through there, and yeah, they just made them look second rate. And to do it with Josh Kelly going down halfway through the first quarter, 
That is a further indictment on Sydney. How embarrassing is it for them, though? That, 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 is, the, that is the thing which everyone says about Sydney. You mm. know they're going to bring the contest side of the game. Every time they turn up, we know how they're going to play. And they, It was a final, and they did a little bit in that area. Like, yeah. who, who do you rate in there for them? Kennedy, Kennedy played well. They yeah. was, he was about the only one. Kennedy, Hanover's not doing much anymore. Parker spends so much time in that mid-forward role. He does it in bursts, Parker. Yeah, he'll have like 10 much minutes around the ball. He's not yeah. a pure inside midfielder anymore. Heaney plays every single role because they've got so many holes they that he sh- needs to fill. I think they should just chuck him in the middle. Oh, so do I at this point. You've just got to let him be the best player he can. Yeah, instead yeah. Of being Allow him to be the star, which he can be, yeah. And Yeah, they just don't have enough around it. And the young midfielders are either very young or not that good. Like... Cunningham is was like their fourth best player. Yeah, he's not great. No, he's he's an honest battler. But a lot of the players, I'm thinking of Florent here. Like Florent relies on someone getting the ball out to him to be yeah, a good player. Yeah, he's an outside player. Like he needs the experienced players to lift him. It's their fault. The the younger players hope to springboard off the experienced yeah. players, and the experienced players, apart from Kennedy, just weren't good enough. Yeah, 100%. and they're not good enough. Yeah, they've dropped off massively. There's Kennedy, there's Buddy, and there's Parker and Burst. But outside of that, yeah. it just doesn't seem... Very slim. Yeah, because their back line is... Like, Grundy is about to be done. They found a replacement in Alir. Alir is genuinely very good. Yeah, and he, he played really... Especially early on, he played extremely well. He, he kept him in the game for a while. Yeah, and they need a second like man defender. Because Alir is much better playing that floating role. There's just so many holes that are popping up, and it's happening to Geelong too. Eventually, once you get, when you start losing these aging stars, even if they weren't the most important one, and you replace the very top end, the fact that they were B plus players in their position mattered, and it's just going to start chipping mm. away at how good they can be. I think it'll happen to Hawthorne too. It hasn't quite yet, but I think it will. Mm. And out of the game, how impressed were you with GWS? Oh, like. Pretty impressed, but also not super positive about how they'll go in the next few No, weeks. I'm pretty confident they'll get beaten quite comfortably next week. I'm assuming Kelly's not going to play. Apparently there's a chance he will, but yeah. I'm assuming he's not going to play. Kelly out of that team, Collingwood are a better team. I reckon they'll win pretty comfortably. Yeah, look. Williams looked excellent coming back. Yeah, Ray that was big for him. best game for the year, yep. even though it was very hungry early. <laughs> Like, he is a hungry man. We know that's that. That's true. Cameron looked good at times when he could get his hands on it. Like, there were positive signs for them, but I just don't think they're as well put together or hitting their straps as well as Collingwood. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah positive, very positive performance. Don't think it raises the bar enough for them to really... To really yeah. yeah, I agree with you. It's like a positive. That's nice to get a good finals win, but I don't think it's going to mean anything. Yeah, it makes the forward. season not as big of a failure. Yeah. It looked like yeah. it was going to be at one point. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got West Coast feeding Collingwood by 16 points in clearly the best game of the Yeah, run. not look, I, apart, look, I was joking a little bit. Friday night was enjoyable, but it wasn't a great game of footy. This was actually a really, really good game of footy. This was a contest right from the start, right through to the finish. It was so up and down. There were so many momentum yep. swings. West Coast absolutely brained the first quarter. McGovern destroyed them. And then mm. uh, Collingwood got on top for the next two. The second quarter was looked, impressive. Yeah, it looked like they were just going to roll away with the win just by just persistence and getting through. Because they, they never had that burst moment of really decisive momentum. But then it turned around in the last quarter. 
and they really, really hammered it home at the Ed West Coast. They dominated inside 50s. They go on topping contested ball, which they hadn't been. Yeah, yeah. And it just really showed, and then their key forwards got into it. Collingwood looked pretty cooked by then. They looked really out in their feet. They came to a point where I'm just, I just couldn't see them finding a way to transition it because they just had no one running into space because they just looked exhausted. And I said to you, I, I think the difference in the game really was it was a really high-intensity game. Collingwood play a really high-intensity, frenetic style. If they were playing on at every opportunity, mm. in the second quarter especially, they would just play on, give off a handball, stream forward, gut running, working their asses off. And it came to the three-quarter time, they only had a 10-point lead. And West Coast can play well whilst controlling yeah. the game. They can play a more relaxed style where they can chip the ball around, yeah, take their exactly. time a little bit more. It's less taxing for them to play really well. Yeah, exactly. So it felt like by the last quarter, Collingwood had spent a lot of chips being in that position. And West Coast had an extra gear. And the, the crowd helped them, yeah. of course. It, and it's going to, and that's the benefit of finishing second. I actually was quite impressed by West Coast's defence. They matched... Collingwood Smalls very well throughout the game. Okay. Even when uh, Collingwood got on top and Brad Shepard had gone down. Yeah, Brad Shepard, Shepard yeah. is a very, very good matchup. He's very important for them, yeah, Shepard. He's, he, he's a plus intercept marker and he's mobile and small enough to really go with those small players. He's unfortunately out for the year, but uh, I thought without him, they showed they could really still stick with the mobile forward line. And that was probably the most positive sign, I thought, for West mm. Coast because if they're going to have to go up against Richmond... They're going to need to be able to handle the small forwards. And Collingwood is the closest facsimile in the AFL. And they did it very well. Barras played well. McGovern played well. Their tall forwards were still yep. influential yep. while minimising the damage that their smalls did. And then down the other end, I was super impressed with the Rioli and Ryan. I thought they yeah, made... They sp- particu- particularly Ryan, although Rioli's yeah. pressure was great all night. He, he was doing one of some of those... Just desperate yeah. pressure acts. And we all react. Yeah, exactly. What we expect. Exactly. And then Ryan got on the end of a few mm-hmm. when he was gave him a real spark. And then, obviously, at the other end of the ground, Jetta was great as well. Their, their Indigenous boys really, really stepped up and made a big impact on the game. I think Jetta's been fantastic since he's moved to halfback. I think yeah, that was a great move. Because he, he doesn't need to get his own ball. He's, just, he's yeah. the distributor. So they just get it into his hands, and then he can really create, and he can use what he's good at. Yeah, you kicked such an important goal. You're very pro the goal celebration. I like it. I thought it was fun. You're so... Explain why you don't like it, you boring so, grump. When Ronaldo did it, it was very, very lame. <laughs> and anybody copying Ronaldo still gets tarred with the brush of being lame. And that's how I feel about it. I just, there is nothing you can say that will change my mind. I just enjoyed yes, the moment. Massive goal. I enjoyed the moment too. It just was a lame celebration. With that crowd and then doing something a bit different, it lifts them even more. A celebration is great. I liked a little bit of character in the game. And I, I really enjoyed it. But I'm just not as grumpy as you. Like, so that's probably I what like it comes to. I like the game too. And I would have enjoyed it if the celebration wasn't lame. Yeah. It's not that I don't like celebrations. <sighs> Big fan of celebrations, just not that one. That's nah, fine. It's just, it, was, it was just it was a, it was a laugh yeah. copying like one of the biggest people in the world. It, it was a bit of a laugh. It was fun. Do you have any more takeaways from this? Oh, not really. I just want to quickly say how Kennedy looked very very dangerous by the end. Like all all game, he, he was so it, close. He was so close mm-hmm. for three quarters, and then he just clunked a few late, and then his kicking got going. And it scared me a little bit if Melbourne managed to get through to the prelim. He could be a lot better his second time yeah, around. Yeah, Darling and Kennedy both starting to ramp yeah, up. Yeah, 
And uh, to be honest, so Goldsack coming back was a massive story, incredible story, five months after an ACL. You're not going to be critical of the sack, are you? I'm not going to be, I kind of am. Uh, I thought Ooh. he played very well, but a lot of why he played well was Kennedy being rusty. I still think he played well, though. He still had really good he defensive had good moments. moments. But there was a lot of times where Kennedy got hands to the ball and just wasn't quite polished enough. Kennedy's just going to do that, though. I, 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 I thought Golsack did all he could. I thought Kennedy was actively poor for three quarters and then flipped the script. He wasn't poor. He was close. Like, he was good in his leading patterns. His attack on the ball. His hands were just... Yeah, it was rust. Of course it was rust. But so I think he would have blown Goldsack out of the water if he wasn't rusty. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but so I just think it's. A I think he would have blown a lot of defenders out of the water. Excellent, is all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's excellent, but he played well. I've seen a lot of people that. Yeah. have, and that's what I'm pushing back against. Still being grumpy. It was a good story. It's in my nature. Let's continue with me being grumpy and you being <laughs> happy. Let's go to our top five. Explain how we've uh, come, how we've decided on what we're well, doing. Well, we, we wanted to do something somewhat finals related. And I came to the table. I'm like, let's have a bit of fun. Let's be positive about it. Let's do our top five best performers of the round. The, the best finals performers. Those players who step up on the big stage. That'll be, that'll be fun. And you're like, nah, I'd rather do the chokers of the round. I'd rather talk about the players <laughs> who choke under the pressure yeah, of I was willing to do this you for the grumpy. joke, but you have grossly overstated <laughs> what happened. No, no, that's what happened, mate. That's this, what this happened. is a character assassination from you, and uh, look, I was willing to accommodate it to a certain degree for the joke, <laughs> but you were overstepped a line. I don't even know how it happened. I wanted to do top five finals performers. I think Whitey wanted to, he wanted to do chokers because he wasn't. He didn't like dangerous performers and wanted someone to talk about that. So then we just decided you'd be yeah. the grumpy one because that's what you're good look, at. I was fine with that. I'm happy to play the heel in this. But I do not need my character assassinated to that extent, Scott. Well, you're still happy to take on the grumpy person. Yeah, I would because it is in my nature, but I don't want it completely. It's gonna. It's still a good call. Completely blamed on me. So go with your top five. Should we do? Alternating or... Yeah, no, we'll do, we'll do okay. alternating. Who is your fifth best performer? Well, I'm going with an honourable mention. I was desperate to, to get him in there. But I have Daniel Rioli. We've talked about him enough. But I love the man. And I thought his game was fantastic. I really, really loved I his agree. game. I agree. He was excellent. I've got an honourable mention too, actually. Oh, do you? It's yeah, not on yeah, your, your uh, list. Neville Jetta Only had seven. Oh, and what? I, so it didn't impact the game at all. And for a guy who's supposed to be all Australian in your eyes, just didn't do enough. Do you call smashing Dangerfield not <laughs> impacting the game? Every time he went forward, Nifty took a giant dump on him. Hey, do you, they didn't have an opportunity for Nifty him. was fantastic. He had a great game. He's made for finals footy. In I finals thought. footy, one-on-one contests get magnified, and Nifty is so good at that. He, he was Brilliant, Jenna. He had seven touches, Scott. All I'm saying is if he's going to be All-Australian, he's got to lift his output. Oh, you just look at... Not like, Rory Laird had 30 touches. He must have been It's not good. okay to play one side of the ball, Scott. You suck, It's a two-way mate. game, Scott. Stop being a dirty, dirty troll, all right? <laughs> uh, my five, you'll be happy about this one. I, I got Elliot Yo at number five. I, I wasn't sh- He was I kind cl- of bullied you into sneaking him in there. <laughs> no, he was great. He was clearly the standout performer of the game. Um... He's an odd footballer, isn't he? We talked about this before. Yeah. He, he looks uncomfortable, but then he's a great overhead mark. Well. He's quick. He's hard. He's a massive he, kick. He does it every part of the ground. He does it out of the middle. He does it going forward. Yeah, he one of the most intercept marks when he needs to. One of the most to. important things he does is when he's the ball's in the contest, a lot of those hat kicks lack penetration, but he's able to get... 
50 metres on the ball under pressure and just move the ball in a yeah. way that leaps that first defender that off so often intercepts the ball. And I think it's such an important part of the way West Coast he, play. He's he, so good. He's an explosive footballer. Mm. He's definitely an underrated footballer. And he was hopefully... Yeah, playing getting, a final like that starts to give him some credit. to get the shine he deserves. Yeah, playing finals and not having yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, so my number five, uh, Joel Selwood. Oh, he's only at five. I thought he was worse than that, to be honest. Yeah, he he did enough to to not be the worst, if you know what I'm saying. He had so many terrible free kicks that he gave away. The Hawkins one, possibly the worst free kick I've ever seen given away in terms of context. Yep. That was yep. unforgivable. From a captain, yep. And, like, there was a little bit of should the interchange umpire, whatever called it, but, like, he did it. And there's nothing. No, it was a free kick. Yeah, and he it did was. It and it was caught, so you can't really complain. And then he slipped over trying to do too much on like four occasions He's, when he had the ball. Was, His ball use was often just rushed, and he got a lot of contested ball, but it was never anything to write home about. He didn't do anything with it. But then again, he had 27 touches, so I'm a little bit forgiving in comparison to the others. I actually, I like, I, I hated his game. I thought yeah. it was dreadful. Um, and that comes less from a um, what was his impact on the game? They're more just like I, I hate seeing a captain being selfish. Like he, yeah, he clearly was bothered with his own game, what was happening to him, and oh, he, he got to him, didn't he? Yeah, 100. percent And he affected his team by not being being, being too selfish, really mm-hmm. worrying too much about himself and not thinking about the team, giving away those free kicks. The the Jones sealer came from him diving to get a free kick and then slipping over and being caught <laughs> holding the ball. He, yeah, I, I thought he was, good. I thought he was dreadful, and as a captain, he set a terrible example. I, I thought his game was shocking. Um, my number four, I've got the great man himself. Uh, he's probably second in line in line for Norm Smith. I mean, I know Daniel's going to win it, but uh, Sammy Wiedemann at four, he's going to be the player of the finals. Now are we allowed to talk about Sam Wiedemann? Look, I don't think we've got time. We're running a bit late. He's, okay he's pretty good. He's genuinely good. Like, we know he's known he's pretty he's mobile the for a talk. biggest backflip I've ever seen you have with the Melbourne No, that's ball. not with true. With Melbourne play, you no. thought he was actively no, I didn't. I thought he shouldn't have been in the team because he wasn't ready. But what I've seen from Wiedemann is he is one player who I've seen get better every year. And when he was in the team earlier in the year, he wasn't quite there, but he was close. You could tell he was starting to launch at the ball. He was close, but he was dropping some marks. He's starting to clunk them. And now his, his mobility is his biggest strength. He's put on a lot of size. He's still not huge, but he's put on a lot of size. No, he's kept his mobility, though, which is important. Very he's a good judge of the ball coming in from the side, which as a second or third ball, which is going to be his role, I think it's very important. His hands are looking pretty sticky now. Three goals, 24 touches. For a player who's not expected to tear open a final, he's expected to do his role and bring it to ground. That was the that was the most exciting thing out of the night. Was yeah, how he impressive found he him was. Player. Yeah. Uh, my four, Isaac Smith. Yeah, this and was a personal look, one. You look at his figures, his stats, and they don't look too bad. 25 touches and a goal, but he was nowhere to be seen when the game was hot. Junk time. And he was massive <laughs> junk time. And like his goal was a very nice goal, but that was the first time I noticed him all night. Halfway through the third quarter, and Richmond had blown the game wide open. And after that, he was sort of shoved, uh, taking buckets out of the sheeting ship when there's a hole or side yeah. door in it. And like, he- he was just not doing anything to help. He, he, and when he did get the ball, he did make mistakes as well. Yeah, yeah he was poor. I yeah. agree with you on that. And from a guy that's had issues in finals, it's really disappointing. No, oh, well, he's played. He's played a very good grand final. He kicked yeah, the I, match I, winner at I least. I just mean, like, 
the kicker Shalom, really. Yeah, okay. So he's probably been quite a good finals player. He's had a couple of bad moments. That's but probably true. Who's your three? Three? Oh, why am I keeping you happy? Three's Toby Green. Um, you haven't kept me happy. He's two spots too low. No, you'll see who's two and one. He had he had a very, very good game. What was it? 27 touches? 27, three goals, three, eight Yeah, it's not bad. To be honest with you, in a team, it, was like, it was such a rubbish game of footy. I, I didn't get as excited about it. I love it when a player steps up in a high-quality, exciting game of footy. Yeah, it was only until about halfway through the about the third quarter he realised. He's actually putting together a really good performance. Yeah, yeah. It was just consistently very good across yeah, the game. Yeah, he just seemed to be... He seemed to be doing a lot, and half of it was good, half of it was bad. And then the bad started dropping away as they got more and more on top. And by the end, he was just... He was just everywhere. His yeah. hands were so good. He was a key link in the chain for a lot of their scoring involved, scoring chains. And he was just... He was massive. It's easy to forget how good he is. Yeah, because <laughs> we haven't seen him all year. Yeah. I've missed him badly. Killed my fantasy side, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I know it did, mate. I know it uh, did. Number three, Mason Cox. I reckon this one's a bit harsh, but explain. Uh, so the reason he's three is because he was so bad. So, <laughs> so bad. He had five touches for the game. He's their number one key forward, and he did nothing. He was so bad. <laughs> what are you doing? You're doing the top five chokers, though. Yeah. He, he's not he's not a good enough player to be described as a choker. Like, like you hope Mason Cox does his role, which he didn't. But like he didn't go anywhere near. I wouldn't have had that higher expectations on him. He didn't even go into tap forward mode. He no, just he didn't. worked under the ball, yeah. let intercept mark after intercept mark, made Barras look like a millionaire. And Barras is a pretty good player, and he's pretty young, and I think he's going to be a pretty good key back for his mm. entire career. But he made him look like a champion. And he would have had a fair talking to at the start of the game about how important against West Coast it is to yeah. bring the ball to ground. And when McGovern was running right, that was largely due to Mason Cox not making a contest. Then they moved Maine on him and show it can be done. If you're outshone by Chris Maine by that much in one <laughs> game of football, you deserve to be called. Yeah, that's Joker. fair. That's fair. Anyway, my number two, I've got Dustin Martin at number two. Oh, we've already had a reasonable chat about him. Yeah, he was bloody excellent. Unbelievable to what see him stepping up. What we do need to talk about is that goal, though. Yeah, we probably should make mention of that. Both of us were shocked by the way the crowd reacted. Yeah, we, and we, it was fascinating. Everyone seemed to have a different visceral reaction to it. I just went, oh, yeah. <laughs> as it happened, you I, put your, covered your face. Yeah, I had, my head in, I had my head in my hands. I, yeah, I thought the crowd reaction was quite noticeably not... It wasn't that big roar that you get from the Richmond crowd. I thought it was almost like a little bit of silence delay, wasn't and then just like a clap. Like it was just... People were just speechless. It was just, oh, did, did that just happen? Oh, wow, we need, we need to cheer this a bit. We need to give it a bit of a clap. There was there was real sort of shock in the air. Yeah, I was, I was stunned by the goal and you just looked around and everybody else was too. It's just, it was one of those moments where just he reminds us what he is and what he will probably be for this final series. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, should be in blue and white. He'd look bloody good. Oh, in blue and white, shut up. So. You said that all bloody night. <laughs> tell me I'm wrong, though. <laughs> I will tell you you're wrong. I reckon he'd look crap. Yeah, the tats wouldn't suit, would it? No. No, it wouldn't no. suit. Uh, but my number two, Dangerwood, Dangerwood, Dangerfield. I've done it, started typing out a joke, but. <laughs> okay, so you don't have Ablett in there. No, Ablett was played on a uh, sprained foot. Sprained ankle came out. Oh, really? I, I didn't know that. Bit. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Dangerfield just tried 
too hard. He does in every final. I, I'm pretty sure one. I'm, I'm pretty sure I made a. It wasn't a Kane Cornsby call, but I made a call mm. last year after his first final and said, "Dangerfield is not a big occasions player, and it's not for want of trying. He no, tries desperately. I don't think he shies away from the moment. He yeah, runs head first into it and knocks him out on the wall. Yeah, he tries to absolutely dominate it, and mm. he. They, there were always times it just. It looked as if he just forgot there were rules in the game. Like yeah. he just, he just goes. I'm Again, just gonna shove Jetta thirty meters play. forward. Like, I'm gonna just throw Vandenberg away. Like, you're not allowed to do that, mate. Like, no. <laughs> there was some shocking free kicks he gave away, and I then missed that goal from ten so, meters out. So disappointing. They got nothing from their key midfielders, and Dangerfield's the best. Of them. He's done it. He's done it a few times. Yeah, he didn't show up against Richmond. Really, didn't show up. Uh, pre- There's just been yeah, he kicked, he kicked the bag in the semi yeah. last year, but I didn't think it was as good a game as everyone talked about. I thought he got a lot of Eddie Betts goals, but mm. anyway. Uh, my number one, I've got Phil Davis at number one. I, I had to put him in there. I, yeah, yeah. It was heading into the game, that was all the talk. Davis versus Buddy Franklin. And I've never seen such a dominant defensive performance. And it... It wasn't just the midfield one, so it became easy for him. Like there were a lot of one-on-one marks he took, a lot of desperation acts, a lot yeah, of big a lot tackles. Of really smart forcing Buddy under the football, and to, I think I'm just going to lead trade into it. Buddy was my number one choker. Okay, yeah, he's, okay. He's one of the best players in the entire league, and he just got, and he's probably the most important to a side's fortunes and he just got absolutely pants by Phil Davis. You see what's happening here. There was a one-on-one battle and I'm focusing on how brilliant it was by a great defender and you're just criticising the four. I absolutely would love to focus on how good it was by the defender but we have been assigned roles here and so I actually <laughs> take my job I seriously. I, I actually don't think it was so much Buddy's fault. I think the midfield was bad and Phil Davis was brilliant and Buddy, Buddy could have been better. Buddy didn't help himself. He very rarely worked into positions that you like to that he likes to occupy and so many times when he did have a little bit of a chance the ball just slipped through his fingers and he was fumbling it, it's just it's hard for a forward it's hard for a forward it is but yeah as much as Phil Davis was good I think he was, was bloody bad. good I think it was Davis was more good than Buddy was bad in my opinion more of it was about how brilliant he was yeah but there's more responsibility on Buddy to be good yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Given he's the entire team's forward line, as was born out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, now we're going to move on to the uh, evicted teams. Yeah, we're going to keep doing our ratings. And we're going to do our uh, reviews. So as as we did last week in our marathon pod, we're going to give a rating out of ten for the list, coaching, future, and expectations. Mm. Or performance against expectations. I think we'll start with Geelong, given they finished lowest. Yep, alright. Okay, so for list, I gave him a 7 out of 10. I've gone a bit lower. I've given him a 6. I just think with so many stars, the list has to be a bit higher than a 6. So they've got they've got Danielfield, Joel Selwood, Tom Hawkins, who was in All-Australian form, Blixars and Stewart in the back line made the All-Australian squad and deserved to be there. They've still got Ablett. They've still got Mitch Duncan, and Tim Kelly was the best first-year player in the competition. I've just listed off eight players that are elite for, to a certain extent. Like I understand that, but I'm focusing more on the lack of depth that they oh, have. That's interesting, Scott. You're focusing on the negative. Yeah, well, I guess I am with Geelong. <laughs> I, and I, I think it's fair enough. There's a reason why they finished eighth and got flogged in the first final. They... They fo- it's, it's an imbalanced list. They focus so heavily on those stars and the need yeah. for those stars to be good that they don't have any honest battlers. They don't have them. Even their, 
even their second tier players, they're not those sorts of players. They're, you know, no, uh, Murdoch's and Menzel and Cunico. Like, they try to do... They, 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 Cunico's they, like 19. I forgive you. Yeah, Cunico. okay, fair <laughs> enough. But they, these are players who do quintanarchal. They, they try to... They do exciting things, but they're not... The, the only real honest battler they have on their list is Scott Selwood, and he is perpetually injured. Yeah, true. Like, who are you going to rely upon? I, I, I don't think their list I think is that Dewey's good. is a battler with a bit of polish, so he's kind of parking both camps there. But okay. Like, yeah, I agree with you. But I think they're glaring needs. They need a Ruckman, and I think they need a better list set of small forwards. Menzel offers nothing defensively. That's a massive problem. Yeah, Dalhouse will be a good That's actually team. exactly what they need. That They have no one who puts on forward pressure. No. And that is all Dalhouse does. That's what Dalhouse is about. Yeah. I think he's a very good uh, addition to them, and he's from all reports definitely coming over. But I still think the top end quality of that list needs. To yeah, be I, I don't think it's a positive thing to be that focused on the top end. Like I, I think that that's a criticism of Geelong that they've they've felt the need to get these superstars and haven't been building anything around it. Oh yeah, but I think as much as that is about, I don't, I don't think that's entirely about not wanting to. I think they haven't really had great access to those kind of battlers. Like, they've, they've been consistently high, like, late draft picks the entire time. And part of that is for trading for mature players, but part of that's finishing high on the ladder every year. So it kind of... Well, look, we're arguing between a six and a seven. Yeah, so. it's not <laughs> Coaching, I had a six. Uh, okay, so this is where we've got. I've gone a seven on coaching. Okay. Now, that, that's the difference, I suppose, is you think their list is slightly better. I think their coaching is slightly better. Look, I, I find Geelong a bit frustrating from a coaching perspective for the fact that I, quite often they are very defensive and I feel they're a bit um, disarmed a little bit. Mm. But I like Chris Scotty. He's very much a game day coach. There are times which he actually does do different things and he tries to surprise the opposition coaches. The biggest example of it was... Sydney last year. Richmond this year too. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and Richmond, yeah. But um, yeah, Sydney last year was just holding possession, trying to keep it off Sydney, Mm. and it worked unbelievably well. Um, Yeah, almost beat Richmond playing a bolder game style. I like the fact that he tinkers with things from time to time, and I think he's a real thinking coach. And he's, I mean, he speaks well in the media. He seems to be intelligent. I think there's (laughs) a little bit of beverage about him. I don't think he puts together a forward line too well. He's, a, I think he's a very good defensive coach because he seems to always be able to build yeah. a good defensive side. I agree with that. Regardless of the parts. At one point, they were playing Aaron Black at centre half back and it was working. Yeah. It was like four Yeah, okay, yeah. They had a lot of troubles ACL, in the back line this year. It worked. And yeah. I think that's just a credit to him. But the midfield, I think, is about talent more than anything else. Like, a goat could coach their midfield to be reasonably True. good. True. Just because the amount of talents that's in there. But their forward line just never seems to function well. They got a great season at Tom Hawkins, but what else? Absolutely nothing. Is that a, really. But is that a personnel thing? I don't really think it is. Because it's happened so often. And I think a large part of it is tactics. Because I think they keep wide, or they have in the past, they keep wider then they probably need That's to, true, they to do focus that. on keeping territory by getting stoppages inside the yeah. 450, which restricts your ability to score from those inside 50s. And I think I think there's a real criticism of him that he hasn't been able to work out a system that gets free open plays. And yes, it worked in the last two rounds in 100-point victories, but it hasn't ever seemed to work in the big games recently. Yeah. There's been no really good side that they've torn apart, which is a... Like was a feature of the Geelong sides before a game. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, he, he has some questions which need 
need answering, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, we're going to conduct a massive review. Which they, yeah, they, they need to. They need to. Uh, future? I have them a five. Yeah, I went a lot more negative. I only gave them a three. I, I think they are a very old list, and I can't see a lot of young kids coming up. I think the immediate future is still okay. But do you want that? Do you want it to be okay? Are they going to win a premiership with this list? I, I, I don't believe it. They've been thereabouts for a long time, and they've been like just off. And they're getting further away. I still think there's a chance. Really? Ablett will be 35 next year. Yeah, but Ablett was, like, only ever gravy, wasn't he? Even but they needed the gravy. They were far off it before Ablett came. They finished second on the ladder the year before. No, but they, they we know they weren't that good. Yeah, I don't know. I still they were embarrassed think by Richmond and Adelaide. He's good enough to be mediocre. Like, yeah, but I don't want them to be mediocre. I'm looking at what are their chances no, of winning a flag. Relative to the competition, their future's average. Yeah, but I, I don't think they should do I, I think they should rebuild from here. I, they are not going to win a premiership. What chance list. are they going to have to have a collection of talent that's as good as Ablett, Dangerfield, Selwood, Hawkins, and all those guys I'm not at really, one time? But that's not good enough to win a premiership. I, well, I don't why think. not have the shot now? Because they won't get there. What's but, the point? You don't know that. I believe that. that think, <laughs> we have a difference on how we rate the list. Do you think there is that big a difference between having the shot now and waiting two extra years to rebuild? Do you think that's going to be damaging? To well, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a waste of time, yeah. Why? And then maybe if you start rebuilding now and you still keep Dangerfield and Selwood, they'll still be around to sort of Selwood's lead that 30, next brigade. Dangerfield's 80, 28. 80. <laughs> Dangerfield's 28. They don't have the time to do that. No, but it, it's, they, they, they will help that young list come years. up and Dangerfield will probably be around in three years, three or four years' time and that'll be a big thing which will help them. I, 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 don't, I think they need to get some youth into that team. I, I don't think their team is good enough to win a premiership and so that's what I, it's all about. I don't think they need to go through a rebuild. I think they just need to keep their picks and try and get free agents instead of trades. They've been doing that and it hasn't worked. No, they haven't I, been I getting th- free agents. They've been giving away picks every year. Well, they got Ablett basically for free. Yeah, they got Ablett for Motlock, really. Yeah, maybe. But they've got their first pick this year. I think they need to keep that. And getting Dalhouse is having a foot in both doors by doing that. And I think that's the route they should take. All right, anyway. There's no, that, way, there's no point for tearing this down. This is too much Geelong discussion. So uh, performance to expectations, I gave them a four. I gave them a three. Yeah, okay. They came <laughs> second last year, added Ablett. Yeah, but I, I suppose I just didn't rate him that highly. Added, I thought they... Added Kelly, who was the best first-year player in the competition. Uh, Blixars and Stewart became uh, all-Australian quality defenders, and Hawkins had the best year of his career. They still went backwards a long way. Yeah, but they still improved those players, though. That's still a positive for them. That yeah, they... but they, as a team, they went backwards in spite yeah. of them. I, I, I don't think I expected them. I expected them to be bottom half of the eight, and they were at the bottom end of that, so it's a bit below average for me. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Let's move on to Sydney. I think it's a pretty grim situation as well. Yeah. For the list, I've gone a six out of ten. Yeah, I've gone a little bit more negative again. I'm giving them a five. Jeez, Scott, you're just a grump. I think you do. You're just a drunk. <laughs> no, I'm just realistic about these teams. They're, they're really not that good. I mean, we've already discussed Sydney in quite a lot of depth. Uh, they've got some reasonable kids, but I, there aren't too many who I think, yeah, bang, you've got to start there. There's obviously Heaney. I think Alir is really, really good. Yeah. What is there outside of that? Like, Florence, all right. I don't think Florence is going to be a star. Mills will be very solid for his entire career. Yeah, but I, I don't I, see I, star. I don't see like star you. power, yeah. Papley's pretty good. And I, I can see Papley moving into the midfield. 
I think he's got a bit of dash and a bit of gumption about him that I can see it happening with yeah. him to be not an elite midfielder, but a solid midfielder. Yeah, yeah, he's Rump not going to be elite. Solid small forward. No, there, like there, there are some there. Yeah, it's not terrible. But while, for the now, though, they do have a lot of just solid citizens. And you can't discount that. Parker's still going to be around. Buddy is still one of the best players in the competition. Kennedy is too. Grundy's about done, but like. So is McVeigh, but they've still got Rampy. Like they're still very solid players. There. I'm worried about their older players. The only players who I think will be good for another three years is Kennedy and Franklin. I don't think Kennedy will be good for three more years. How old is Kennedy now? He's like 30 or something. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, that, that makes it even worse. Parker's like, only 26 or 27. Yeah, but Parker has these, doesn't, he hasn't come on. He just has not come on as a footballer. He's, he's as good as he was five years ago. That's true. And he looked like he was going to be one of the best footballers yeah. in the competition. And he was a big reason they let grow Tom Mitchell. Him and Hannibal. They thought mm. they had enough with those two. And that's been borne out to be wrong because yeah. Hannibal is better than both of them. Nearly both of them put together. Yeah. So that's been the My, big, one of the biggest least management decisions that they've gotten, that anybody's gotten wrong recently. He was a mm. father son pick for them. Like, yeah. he was part of that institution and they just let him go. Yeah. I, do, I just feel their top end is dwindling and they've been relying on it for a long time and their youth isn't terrible but it's definitely not great I still so. think it's a little above average though okay anyway for coaching what do you have uh, three <laughs> uh, but I, I kind of had to I backed myself into a wall with my Kane Corn score from a few just weeks wait ago to how, just wait till you see how I rate Goodwin's coaching performance this year Scott oh you wouldn't uh, wait you've given him a six have you Jesus that's positive I, I don't really like what he's doing to Sydney I think he's got a lot more excitement there than he allows yeah, that he lets maybe. on. I, I don't think it would take too much to keep him quite strong and contested and like you can play a contested game and still be exciting. That's what Melbourne do. Like we're all about contested ball but we score as well. And Buddy it's hard for Buddy. Buddy's so often this slow ball into him and he's caught out on three and he's got to do something freakish to kick a goal. Um Parker spends too much time forward. He should spend more time in the midfield. As I said, someone like Florence is quite exciting. Rowan when he's playing, but I just feel yeah. they get hamstrung a little bit. I just think they're so defensively well organised. In the same way you think that about Scott, that you just have to give him credit. They are one of the best defences in the competition, year in, year out. Yeah. And that matters. Feel- That's a coaching tick. And I think no matter what else he does, and the talent is dropping off. I'll agree with that. You've said it very, made a very strong case for that. But the coaching, the defensive coaching, has mitigated that somewhat. I think they could be much worse with a different coach. Yeah, look, I've said this before. I've just they've so long they've been harping on this like culture, contested mm. ball, defense, all that stuff. It's just got a bit boring and a bit stale. Yeah. And it's, the players don't look excited to be out there anymore. It's it just looks like a big slog for them. See how long the idea of this is what Sydney are sticks. Yeah. Because well, they didn't do it this they, way. They rebuilt. They got through the 2006 crop into the 2012 crop without a hitch, really. They missed finals once in that period. They haven't missed finals since. But you think there's got to be a drop off soon, and like a serious drop off, not a blip on the radar drop off. Yeah, it certainly looked like that this week. And for expectations, what'd you have? Four. Yeah, the exact same thing. Yeah, they were just a little yeah. bit below. Yeah, I probably rated them on a similar level to where I rated Geelong, and, and they just fell a little bit below <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's get to Poochie's mailbag. It's a big mailbag this week, but I think we've gone long, so we won't. Yeah, we are a little bit over time, so uh, let's yeah. get through it. <laughs> so this is from uh, producer James, who's decided not to shop and 
stop doing his job. We were struggling for questions, so we asked him to send one. <laughs> yeah, when judging the value of a player, how much more relevance do you give finals performances over regular season performances? A lot more relevance if you compare the two. Absolutely. The amount of players who we rate so much higher because of what they have done in a grand final or in mm. finals is, is astonishing, really. Look at Andrew Embley. Well, I yeah. Wouldn't remember his Very name. average player, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's quite well regarded. Um, and look, yeah, the competition is just littered with them. Like Johansson is rated a lot higher because he won a Norm Smith medal. Like if you get a Norm Smith, you're immediately thought of as a good player, even when you're pretty average throughout you're the course of the season. You're thought of as more than a good player. You get an elite tag that you, yeah. you often don't deserve, and Johansson's a big. But I think it's rightful. Yeah, I, I think it right. should be like that. I'm a bigger proponent of consistent finals performances. If you consistently do that, I take mm. that with as a real sign. A Josh Kennedy. Yeah, a one-off, I think, is not as important, even if it's a grand final. Good thing Wiedemanns won't be a one-off. <laughs> God, I hope it is. <laughs> There's every chance. But a one-off, I think, is not, doesn't outweigh what you're doing the rest of the... Yeah. In the rest of your career, but if you're consistently better in finals, I think that's a great fill to your cap. But I, I think the main reason why I rate Dusty higher than I rate Dangerfield is because he's done it in finals. That is the reason, really. I think throughout their home and away, they're often quite even. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, Dangerfield's yeah. home and away Brownlow year was as good as Dusty's, yeah. but Dusty's season was a lot better because he dominated off, finals. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's move on. Speaking of your boy Wiedemann, if he hey. wins the flag and Wiedemann wins it for them, i.e., is Norm. Should they consider trading Jesse Hogan? No! That's a very wise No, 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 no. You should no. give some actual, actual uh, thought to it. Imagine how good that forward line would be with Hogan, McDonald, and Wiedemann. That is a damn good forward line. And they're all mobile enough. Like, Hogan will spend more time deep than the other two, but they can all get up the ground. It'd be, it'd be a great forward line. But there'd always be kind of like two playing a forward role, and then there'd be one working up on a wing. They're going to work brilliantly. They can all do it. No, I think they should trade him while No, you him. don't. You just don't think that at all. <laughs> okay, so which of the current top eight teams won't make finals and who will replace them? I think there'll be a lot of flux. Oh, well, probably the two teams we just talked about are in danger of coming out of finals. Geelong and Sydney. Uh, uh, Melbourne, obviously, just because not very good. You're an idiot. Uh, we've discussed this before. There's a lot more teams who look like they're going to improve than teams who look like they're going to drop there off. There always are, though, aren't there? Yeah, maybe. Because we're just positive people. We look on the positive side of things. Thanks for including me in that, Scott. But look, Adelaide will come back in. Surely Adelaide will come back you'd in. You'd think Essendon would too. Yeah, you'd think it. Yeah, and like and Melbourne if, will improve. If North have the off-season, I keep saying that we'll, we'll improve. GWS will improve. I, I think Port Adelaide are a chance to improve. I know you disagree with me. Yes. Uh, that's about where it comes. Hawthorne are a chance to drop. I think there's a bit of smoke and mirrors going on with them at the moment. But... Outside of that is three teams in and three to four. So who are you, you're putting in Adelaide, Essendon, and North, eh? Or okay. one of North and you're taking you out. Easily yeah. Yeah, so I'm giving, giving you a bit of a, a credit. Yeah, uh, and we, then you take out oh, Geelong and Sydney and Hawthorne are the ones okay. you can see. Geelong. All right, I just won't do the North thing. I'll say out Geelong, Sydney, <laughs> in Essendon, and Adelaide. Okay, should we wrap, wrap it up or do you have anything else you want to... Well, we have the final question from the Facebook page, Battle Situations with Unexpected Handicaps. Oh, yes, do we? Yes. Uh, it, look, it's a, it's a nice short one. Uh, Morgan Freeman, but he's wearing skis versus Nelson Mandela, but he is also wearing skis. Brackets, no snow involved. So basically, 
who's going to win a fight between Morgan Freeman and Nelson Mandela? And I well, know, I know, I know we're assuming they're alive. Oh. I say we assume they're alive and they're the same age is what I'm going to, I'm going to put this rider on it. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> I think Morgan Freeman. Oh no, no, sorry. No, definitely Nelson Mandela. Ooh, okay. That man knows his way around explosives. <laughs> oh, what? Well, it's a blow shit up. Yeah, that's a dark way of looking at it though. What about Morgan? He's been fine. Mor- I suppose you that blowing shit up is a fightable, is a good like skill. I don't think they're allowed to have explosives. Morgan has yeah, been in. Morgan has been in action movies, Banjo. What that's good movies? practice. I can't name them. Surely he has been though. I can't think of any. They're all serious movies that I can think of. Such as Invictus. <laughs> but no, he has been in action movies, That's I'm sure. That's one I will have. If, uh, if uh, Morgan Freeman dresses up in his Invictus costumes, will Mandela realise he's not be, looking into a mirror? He'll be, he'll be a little bit shocked about <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah, I'm going to... There's gonna, the art of imitation. I'm going I'm to lock in Morgan based on his action I'm movie heavily, expertise. heavily going... <laughs> Heavily going Nelson Mandela. Oh, he's been in the dark night. He didn't really do anything. Sure, Shanky didn't do anything no, action-wise. He talked... He hasn't been in a lot of No, he movie. talked in both of them and the other guy did the action. Yeah, but his voice... Not even any his action. voice would put Nelson to sleep. Oh. <laughs> It'd soothe him. So it's like a Jigglypuff in Pokemon. <laughs> not really. But anyway, we should probably finish like up. That's way too long, this part, as always. I told you we'd go too long. Yeah, thanks for listening to the... This episode of the Plebs on Footy podcast will be back next week with even more dumb shit like that. Thank you.